This is the Advanced Selling Podcast presented by Kasky Achievement Strategies. The aim of this podcast is to help business sales teams grow their business with modern strategies and philosophies. Now your hosts, Bill Kasky and Brian Neal. Oh, it's rolling? We're hot, baby. Mics are hot. Hello, everybody. You found us again, the Advanced Selling Podcast. We just can't hide, can we, Bill? You weren't even looking for us, you found us. Yeah, that's it. You're here, the Advanced Selling Podcast, where salespeople come to get better. Managers and VPs of sales come to listen to make their salespeople better. We are glad you're here. We're here every Thursday talking about concepts and ideas to make your sales life better. So. One program note. Oh, program note. Thank program you. Note. Don't have that in my show notes, Bill. Fire away. <laughs> Program note is uh, many of you know that the first Thursday of every month, the episode is directed to VPs of sales, sales managers, regional managers. So if you uh, have a regional manager that you report to or some such leader, supervisor, then make sure they know about the first Thursday. It's for managers' ears only and sales professionals. You cannot listen to those because no. we talk about you. Quite managers' frankly, ears only. And we have a very sexy, sassy lead-in voice, don't we? We do, yeah. We do? Yeah. The listeners are going to be hearing more from her, too. Brooke Green is one of our folks, and she's uh, she actually did a podcast here a couple of weeks ago on how she helped a client bring in a humongous deal. wasn't bad, was it? It was tens of millions of dollars. I think if you haven't heard that, go back to the archives or Google Brooke Green, and uh, you'll find it. Anyways, topic today. We are going to talk about our selling method and we had someone write us in. Is that right, Bill? I had an email a couple of weeks ago yeah. from a listener and a very pleasant email, although yep. he said, you know, you guys really talk about some interesting concepts and I've put some of them to work and he's very happy with the content he's getting on this free podcast. But uh, he also said, you know, that sometimes you guys sound like everybody else. You sound like Sandler. You sound like Spin Selling. You yep. sound like Carnegie. You sound yep. like Miller Hyman, all these yep. other people out there who call themselves sales trainers. And I thought that was a very fair, I don't know if it was a criticism, I think it was more of maybe we haven't done a good job of kind of illustrating what some of the differences are and how we find people accept this material and how they use it better. Right. And, and to me, when I heard that for the first time, my reaction is, and those who know us well, especially our clients know this, but the podcast listeners may not get the feeling because they're only with us 10 to 15 minutes every yeah. week or so, and that is... You take any sales process, any training company, sales process development company, and put them down on a, on a table, you're going to see very similar things yes. when you boil it down. You're going to see a process that involves some sort of introduction between two people, buyer and seller, some sort of questioning arena where people, a salesperson is asking questions to find out information, some discussion of money on the table with relative to budget and, and economics and those sorts of things, some discussion of the process that takes place to get a decision done, and then some either resolution, solution, presentation, proposal, that sort of thing. And whether it's Miller-Hyman in 19 Steps or Sandler in 6 or 8 or how many Sandler has, mm -hmm. that part of it is very, very similar. It's hard to make that part dramatically different. Where we feel our difference comes in is all those things are great and wonderful, but they don't have a substantive Substantive. Substantive mm -hmm. backbone behind them. Meaningful core behind yeah. the process and the words. And to us, I think what, Bill, and kudos to you for doing this over the last 20 years, is putting some what we call head and heart philosophies behind some of those processes because that to us is where the real action is, which we've referred to oftentimes as inner game. It's what's in the minds and what's in the souls 
of salespeople that are out there using these processes. So. This came from our research where we ask a lot of people, you've been to training before, what do you remember about training? And most of the time, people don't remember too much about sales no, training. they don't. Partly because it was never reinforced. It was a one-day event. People were hungover anyway, so they, li- they listened to 10% of it. <laughs> but I think most of the reason is because it doesn't really touch the soul of people. No. Most of sales training is all about what do I need to say to get the customer to buy from me? And what process do I need to put together to get that to happen? And I don't think that's really the, the best way to go about it. Yeah. So we've put a lot of soulfulness and, and mental and emotional health behind it. We want to share some of that with you today because we think it will help you take some of the podcasts that you've heard and the content you read on BillKasky.com and AdvancedSellingPodcast.com and on KaskyOne.com and put it into some more useful tools. And you're going to hear this from us uh, here in 2008, the theme, this theme of what we're calling rewiring the sales mind. And that to us is something that can be done over any of those processes. If if your company embraces the Miller-Hyman process, that's fine. It's fantastic. What we will do is give you some thought strategies and feeling strategies and ways to be and to show up as a human being that will enhance the words and the processes that, that whether it's Miller-Hyman or Spin or anyone else gives you. So let's start. So yep. we'll start with we're going to do this by going through our process, the five steps of our sales process, and then behind each one we're going to talk a little bit about the behind-the-scenes part, the yeah. inner game. We start a sales call uh, a new interaction with a client or even a third or fourth interaction with a tool that we call the upfront agreement. Upfront agreement, the purpose of that of that tool, that wording, that phraseology is simply to create an, an environment where the person that I'm speaking with feels safe enough to tell me the truth, as close as they can do that, depending upon how safe I make them feel. So that's that's the purpose. It's to make the interaction between buyer and seller as truthful and real as possible. Yeah. Now, that. some systems will call that upfront contracts. Some systems will call that rapport building. Some systems will call that breaking the ice. A declaration statement, statement of purpose. Here's why we do the upfront agreements, because we feel that the most important part starting off with a prospect is creating an atmosphere for truth. Yep. And if you are if you are doing a purpose statement or if you're trying to build rapport to try to get them to like you, then now your intent is off. Yeah. And so the upfront agreement is just a is a conversation and an agreement between two people that says, I'm not going to sell you anything. You're not going to sell me anything. We're just going to sit and talk today to find out if there's any real reason for us to move forward. Yeah. And, and what we have to tune into, the inner game side, so what's our backbone behind that? A couple of things that we've talked about in the past, Bill, you just mentioned one, was what's my intent? Most people show up and they do that, regardless of what system they use, they do that, but their true intent in their mind is they're thinking, I hope I hear something today that can let me sell something. Yes. I hope he says something that I can fix so I can make some money. Boy, I hope this turns out to be a good prospect. I hope this was worth it. Those are all elements of our mind that then come out in our energy that people pick up on and treat us like a salesperson because that's what they are. They're salesperson thoughts. Mm-hmm. We have to rid ourselves of those before we even show up. And there is a trainer out there. In fact, Dennis Miller mentions it every day on his show. Always be closing. The ABC, ABC. The ABC technique, always the ABC effect. Be always be closing. closing. Well, now th- think about that. Let's be. Let's get serious. If you're always closing, trying to get the customer to do something, you are going to create resistance that uh, you're never going to be able to handle. So I vote for let's not create the resistance in the first place. Let's not create objections we have to spend hours and hours overcoming. Let's do it right the first time. Yeah. We, the way we do it is to set up a good environment up front. Yeah, absolutely. So got that? So yep. embrace the intent at first. The intent is truly to be objective, to, to learn what the problems are and see if you can fix them. And if you can't fix them, to objectively look at them and say, can't help here, move on to the next one. 
The next stage is what we call the motive stage, and that's mm-hmm. very simply, what's the motive the prospect has for changing? And you can call it pain, you can call it pleasure, possibilities, needs, all different systems call it different things, but what it gets down to is what is the motive the customer has to stop what he or she is doing in terms of who they're buying from and start buying from you or, or, or change in some way? So there's a lot behind that. Number one is you have to buy into the philosophy that, people won't change for no reason. Mm -hmm. People need a reason to change. And if your mental makeup denies that there's a reason that people would change to you, then you're not going to get very far in finding out what their pains and problems are. Right. You have to also, we're giving some inner game uh, aspects behind this questioning pain motive uh, step in in a sales process. One is to be extremely curious. I tell my clients to be overwhelmingly curious. Some people are naturally that way. Some people have to force themselves to be. Yeah. But when you come from a place of curiosity, of wondering, uh, you'll find that the answers and responses you get are much more pure and real. If you come from a place of trying to find a hot button, had a client say that yesterday, the way he was trained, is i got to find the hot buttons. Yeah. The reason you find the hot buttons is so you can nail them and close yeah. them. ABC. Which you go back to the same old manipulative sales strategy. So it's think a- about It's AFHB, always find the hot button. Always find the hot button. <laughs> so cur- overwhelming curiosity, embracing the idea that people are not going to change for no reason. Then the other thing that I think people miss here under this step is to be truly focused on helping the human being across the table. Everybody who sits across from you has some need that they're trying to accomplish, but behind that need is some personal motivation that helps them personally. It helps them keep their job, make them feel safe. It helps them make more money, make bonus so they can send their kids to a private school. It helps them stretch their retirement out or retire early to get promoted, to look good for their boss, all sorts of things. It's personal motivation. People do not tune into that. They don't look at the person across the table as another human being they're trying to help. They look at it more as a means to money. Yeah. And that's a very flawed thought, very flawed thought. Brooke and I talked a couple weeks ago about this large account that she helped her client bring in. And she said, I agree, she said a lot of these organizations that come in and train your people on how to go get large accounts totally forget that these large accounts are made up of human beings. And these human beings have dreams and they have needs and they have problems. And we forget about that. And so as you were talking about that, I said, you're intense to understand this person's place in life yeah. and how not having you might be affecting them. Yeah. And it's not rapport building. It's not, oh, no. so where your kids go to school. It's not that. It's yeah. much, much deeper. Much than deeper that, so. than that. Okay. Next stage in our sales process, next component is what we, what we describe as economics. This is where we have a money discussion and we, we want to understand, number one, is of the pain that we discovered up in stage two. What is the cost of that pain, and what is the economic ramification of doing something, changing it, or not doing something? And then how does that, th- those economic numbers relate to what they're going to pay us to make their pain go away? And the inner game side of that, I think what usually comes out from people without any inner game background behind it is a what's your budget question, and then hoping and praying that my price comes in just in the right place so that they don't object to it. Because if they say something, now I've got to go and defend my price, which we think is a very bad place to be. I had a story that happened uh, the other day with a client where um, they got a call from a person who, uh, on the surface, did not resemble a prospect in the least. They were looking for a $2,000 item, and my client doesn't even walk out the door for anything less than thirty or 40000 and mm-hmm. probably higher than that. But uh, this person was referred 
And my client, kind of, it was an interesting person. This person was very cordial to my client. So the, my client salesperson goes out to see this person. Two weeks later, ends up with a $45,000 deal. Okay. Now, what happened was my client is very good at finding out where the problems are. Uh-huh. And she was able to analyze this person's business with their help and come up with five or six solutions that the client didn't even know was possible. But because it's a technology solution and, and that changes so quickly, she got a $45,000 revenue hit out of it. But the customer got hundreds of thousands of dollars with a problem solved. Right, right. And so it was a win-win, and, and the idea there is that my client didn't go out and talk about the features and benefits of the technology. They talked about the business applications, where was their pain, and how much was it costing them. If you'd have said how much is it costing you to have these problems, the customer wouldn't have known where to begin. Right, So right. you have to have the mental wherewithal to understand that most people haven't really thought about this. Yeah. Another inner game concept around this economics that I think people miss, I'll give you two of them quickly. One we talked about, I think, in the podcast in the past is what is the what we call the money script? What's the hard wiring in the salesperson about how they handle, manage, think about, talk about money? Most people are talked about or taught not to talk about money, and here they are in a sales role and they have to talk about it. Others were raised to buy things and do things on the cheap. And when that occurs, then you've got problem number two, which is how do you feel about the value that you bring to people and what you charge for it? I know lots of salespeople, even our own clients, that do not believe, do not believe that they are worth what they're asking someone to pay them for. So I've got a thousand dollar solution, or or to sign up with me costs fifteen hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, and deep in my heart of hearts, I think that's a lot of money for what I do. And if that's the case, you are dead on arrival, and that lies in the salesperson's head. It does not lie in anything they can say. We could teach them all day what to say about how to defend that price. But if they deep inside don't believe it, it's going to come off as fake, and they're going to get discounted left and right. So this is yet one more example of rewiring the mind, yes. rewiring your sales mind so that it's not just about technique and executing a process. It's a little bit deeper than that. The fourth stage is the decision process and, and how is it made, how is the decision implemented. And we don't have a ton of time to get into this, but this is very difficult because a lot of times you're calling on more than one person or or maybe you're only calling on one person, but several people are making the decision. And your mind has to change from not who makes the decision, but to who cares about this problem being solved. Mm-hmm. These are two totally different questions, totally mm-hmm. different questions. But mm-hmm. if you don't rewire your mind to think about the problem the customer has or the dream they have in the middle of this, in these concentric circles, and out from those circles are who cares, who's influenced by it, uh, not just who makes the decision. Mm-hmm. Another inner game concept behind the process, number one, is the fear of talking to people at a higher level where I might be intimidated or feel like I'm not worthy to be there. That's an inner game thing, again, that lies in the head that keeps people from doing the right things. Mm-hmm. When they know they need to be talking to the CFO and they're talking to the payables clerk, right away there is fear in the mind of the salesperson that keeps them from making the call and reaching out to the CFO. To go a step further with that, people are also in this phase, in the inner game-wise, they're afraid to offend other people. They're afraid that if I am talking to the payables clerk and I know i got to talk to the CFO, I can't say that because Mary's going to feel like I'm going over yeah, her head. Don't go over And I don't want to upset Mary. That is you seeking approval from Mary, not wanting to disrupt the cart, avoid conflict. That, again, is all mental part behind how you uh, manage the process. We need to do a whole podcast on that because that it sort of trivializes that how important that is. 
just to do five minutes on it. I mean, money's a mental game, and it requires a rewiring of the mind, but this whole decision thing is huge, yeah. hugely mental. Hugely is a word that I just made up. I like it. Hugely. I like it. You also use concentric circles, which is one of my favorite, favorite thesaurus words. Mm. Is it thesaurus ubiquitous. or thesaurus? I think we used ubiquitous earlier. Did we? We need to keep track. Some some listener, please write in some of the words that we've used that you don't understand. I'll keep track of them. That was good. We keep going? We got one we more. Done? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And that is the solution phase oh, right. or, the, or the presentation. Some people call it recommendation, pr- presentation, solution. We don't get too hung up on what you call it, but the idea here is you take all this knowledge and information that you've gathered from the prospect and you come back with a recommendation on how to solve the problem. You do not come back with features and benefits of your product unless it fits in with how you can help them solve the problem better. And the mental part of that, the the rewiring part of that, is that you are not there to impress them about how great your stuff is at the presentation stage. And we see that over and over with Very companies, good. even even well-trained companies. They go in for the presentation, for the kill, for the close, and they forget all about the pains the customer has told them they had. Yeah. And they focus totally on their product. And yeah. there's got to be a link between what's the problem the customer has and what's the solution based on your product or service. Yeah, it's very good. Another change in thought at the end here to wrap it up on the solution phase is that more is not better. Some people at the end think they have to dump as much stuff as they can, whether it's to justify their price and the fee that they're going to charge or because some marketing guru who went to Wharton MBA school came up with it, so I have to use it. More is not better. I heard someone yesterday, I was in a, a call with this CEO. He said he gets 50-page slide deck proposals all the time. He said, if you can't give it to me in two pages, don't give it to me because it means you, you haven't thought through it clearly yeah. enough. Very, very good. I love that. Less is better. Less, Less is, is better. more, especially in the recommendation phase. Yeah. So, okay, so that, I think we've uh, – uh, kind of gone a little bit deeper into each step and yeah. talked about how to rewire. Just think of it as how to rewire your mind for for successful selling outcomes. Even if the outcome is no, this is not a prospect, it still allows you to go uh, meet and talk and visit with someone else. Yeah, very good. Good work today. You can uh, write us at listener. Is it listener? listener? Yeah, listener at yep. advancedsellingpodcast.com. Uh-huh. Listener. Uh, you can also call us at 317-722-6222. 9-9, and you can leave a message with us. Occasionally we play uh, messages from the audience that we have. We're up to, uh, I think, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 people per week listen to us all over the world. So make sure you do contact us because we'd love to hear what you think of the show. Very good. See you next time. Okay. This has been the Advanced Selling Podcast presented by Kasky Achievement Strategies, Indianapolis. Join us each time we record a new podcast by going to BillKasky.com or to iTunes.